Some people think little girls should be seen and not heard. One, two, three, four! People do feel very radically different about gender experience. I mean, that's just like the rules of feminism. That diversity is like the number one thing I think that has to be reckoned with. Agenda with women in the arts. You're listening to Agenda by Women in the Arts. My name's Katie Winton. And I'm Isabel Hawthorburn. It's been a huge week in popular culture. The lady is a doctor. R. Kelly is allegedly holding women and girls hostage in a sex cult. And China is selling anti-perv flamethrowers to protect women. What does it all mean? Will the music industry stop protecting predators? Will the patriarch... Will the patriarchy let an immortal, shape-shifting alien be a woman this one time? And can Chinese women walk home alone in peace? The answer is probably not, but Teen Vogue has got the gender non-binary issue right this week. And we have to give it up to Mama Vogue, who released six videos of Celine Dion well and truly just like living her life. <laughs> you have got to get around this footage of her on the scene and just like biting into styrofoam heads. It's really wild. And like feeding people with hot chips. It's it's, <laughs> it's art. It's art. It's all it's I can amazing. say. Um, also, we are all the Japanese first lady who pretended she couldn't speak English for two hours to avoid talking to Trump. What a week. <laughs> it's been huge. <laughs> we'll have all of that plus news from our Splendour correspondent, Mari Stewart, for all the updates on gender equality in Australian festival lineups, cultural appropriation and flower crowns. Uh, plus, we'll be pay- playing a track from the most l- recent Little Dragon album because they just released an incredible video clip exploring queer dance in uh, South African culture. Yeah, it's a really beautiful video that we'll post as well. Um, but probably the most disturbing news that you've heard all week comes from a BuzzFeed report published on Monday claiming that R. Kelly is keeping six women aged between 18 and 31 in various properties in Chicago and Georgia, where he physically, this is allegations, he physically abuses them and secludes them from their families. Um, I don't know about you, Katie, but for me, from a very young age, the name R. Kelly was pretty synonymous with very questionable treatment of young women, yet he's enjoyed decades of success and collaborations with celebrities like Britney Spears, Lady Gaga, Jay-Z, Usher, Justin Bieber, um, despite the consistent reports of abuse throughout his career. So the BuzzFeed story came out from um, a reporter called Jim DeRogatis, and he's a freelance journalist who has been reporting on these cases against the singer for decades. So stretching back to his initial bombshell report for the Chicago uh, Sun-Times in 2000, um, in 1994, uh, um, on August 31st, Kelly, then 27, married the up-and-coming R&B singer Aaliyah, who was 15 years old at the time. Um, and I don't. Did you remember that happening? Yeah. Yeah. And so, her, yeah. Um, so he falsified Cook County marriage certificates, listed her age as 18, um, and Deirdre later reported in the Sun Times um, that uh, he reported on that. And in Illinois, which is where it happened, um, adult men are prohibited from having sex with girls under 17 years old. So he was breaking the law then. And he's, I mean, I feel like it's just this kind of, this thing that everybody knows about and everybody jokes about. It's like R. Kelly, young girls. It's been going on for so long. I don't know, though. Do you think because... We know about it and we, like... But I knew about it when I was a kid. Like, I remember being, like, 
very young and being like, oh, R. Kelly, he does weird stuff. Like, yeah. I don't know, because I this is just a small side side note, but I was talking to my friend about it the other day and she was saying that she went to karaoke with a, a guy that she was seeing at the time. Um, they had like quite a wild karaoke night and he lined up all these R. Kelly tracks and she was like, please don't sing R. Kelly because... Um, he of all these like ridiculous allegations that are really awful and then listed all of the allegations and was she's quite a vocal person um, and like you know told him he was like oh what do you mean I don't know I've never heard about that I have no idea like had genuinely no idea and then proceeded to sing R. Kelly songs yeah right no I was like I feel like it's just this like just very open secret in the music industry yeah it's incredible to think that he's been able to get away, well, allegedly able to get away with such an, like, a long career intertwined really closely and, like, quite publicly. I mean, I know I just said that this person <laughs> had no idea, but quite publicly um, aligned with abuse. And many commentators have attributed this to the fact that in American society, the safety and well-being of black women is of least consequence. So there's this quote from Beyonce's most recent album, Lemonade, where she pulls the words of activist and author Malcolm X, who said, the most disrespected person in America is the black woman, the most unprotected person in America is the black woman, and the most neglected person in America is the black woman. And I think these allegations kind of speak to that idea. It's that he was able to get away, allegedly get away with such extreme and... Uh, long history of abuse because of that lack of value placed upon the lives and yeah, well-being of black women. But also many commentators have identified that the music industry is in uh, many ways responsible for um, him being able to orchestrate and enact his abuse with relative impunity. And American writer Roxane Gay, who you might remember from the mess that happened with Mamma Mia a few weeks ago, but also from her extensive body of work, including Bad Feminists, um, she had to say this on um, the report. Uh, she tweeted, R. Kelly never changes and his community and industry enable him at every turn. When I say industry, I'm referring to the labels that sign Kelly, the musicians that play with him, the venues that book him, etc. Fans can't support his music that isn't being made, promoted or toured. So that blame starts there. The artists that collab with him, I'm just reading her Twitter, by the way. Um, <laughs> the artists that collab with him, they should be held accountable. Gaga does a song with him, then does this Till It Happens to You. Really? Really? Wait, what and was so, Till It Happens to You? So that's like, as I understand it, that's a, um, a song that she has, she brought out after collaborating with Art Kelly. She brought out a song about sexual violence and abuse and like about, you know, it happening to you. You don't know what it's like until it happens to you. So... She made money out of kind of talking about sexual violence. Uh, which after I she did. collaborated with her. After Kelly. she collaborated with her. Yeah, right. It's a really, I mean, I, I'm just going to put this out there, but I'm in no way t- <laughs> endorsing it. But I, I would like to talk to someone in the music industry about this because I feel like it is relatively, I wonder what the complications are between, because it seems like such a simple issue, right? Like it seems like just don't book people mm. who have that reputation. Don't book them, don't play them, don't support them, don't pat it out. Mm. Like, what is the complex, like, what What are the steps that people are kind of getting tied up in with enabling him to keep playing and to keep releasing records? Yeah, well, um, I mean, after the um, BuzzFeed brought out the report, they, um, they asked all of his collaborators whether they'd work with him again. Um, and so they asked, like, 43 of them, including... Um, Chance the Rapper, Lady Gaga, Usher, Celine Dion, <gasps> Jay-Z, Britney Spears, um, Dustin Bieber. 
and 43 of them refused to comment. And I think that many of these artists, including Lady Gaga, have been outspoken in the music about sexual violence and talked about it arguably to sell records, but when it comes to standing with these alleged victims or at least at least saying something about the kind of culture of... Um, um, you know, protecting predators in the industry, they've remained silent. And so I think that that's an example of how even through just their silence, people are complicit and the industry is complicit in that kind of abuse. Yeah, I totally understand the complication of making a public statement as a celebrity if someone hasn't been found guilty. But then again, like the legal system in America is also incredibly flawed. So do you only have a public opinion on sexual assault if the law says that it's wrong? Like, I don't... I don't know, there's so much complete silence around these allegations, as you were saying, and it's not just a problem in the music industry. There's like a huge list of celebrities who have been accused of violence against women and who have had a really long and successful career. Like, I'm, I mean, I'm not going to list them all, but Bill Murray, Sean Connery, John Lennon even, Michael Fassbender, Sean Penn. Yeah, I think that it's... I think that race inflects this story in two ways, like those kind of celebrities. Um, I don't know, firstly... He was allegedly able to get away with this abuse because of the way that um, black women are valued in American society, but also the casualness um, with which people talk about people like R. Kelly's abuse and someone like Chris Brown. It's a very different way than the way that we talk about allegations against, like you said, Bill Murray, Sean Penn, Michael Fassbender. It's framed as... When we talk about those kind of actors and musicians, we talk about separating the artists from the art and there's this real sense of, you know, we, we, we would never joke about Sean Penn, um, you know, beating up, tying up Madonna and, like, using gaffer tape and not letting her leave her room. Whereas, like, I have definitely seen, um, like, memes. I've definitely heard jokes about, like, Chris Brown and R. Kelly, like, mm. for the last, like, 10 years. That's been something that's... It's a joke, whereas, you- like, it's not a joke to talk about... Bill uh, Murray. Yeah. Do you think that's an issue with the difference in industries as well? Like people associate film or associate kind of this like high art end, whereas uh, like R&B culture, there's already that kind of connotation of, I don't know no, what you were saying I think with race. I think race? they're totally coded by race. Like I think mm. you can, people can say, oh, it's like a problem in R&B. No, no, that's and what I'm saying. Yeah, like yeah. people associate R&B with race. Like mm, it is a cultural mm. kind of yeah. association. And there's this rhetoric, I think, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think for it, me, that separation of music and film as well, like there's this rhetoric around being a musician that really allows for quite awful behaviour and it's definitely a lifestyle thing. Like musicians are working in spaces where there's this huge drug and alcohol culture and this is not just R&B culture. This is like a music industry problem on a whole and it allows for behaviour that wouldn't be tolerated in any other workplace or would, wouldn't just fly under the radar. Like there is quite a rampant... Oh, absolutely. And I mean, we've been talking about, you know, this in term, in the American context, but it's like definitely a problem in Australia, mm. most countries, this, the unhealthy kind of toxic environment of music indus- the music industry. I mean, you've seen it, the yeah. way that, you know, people applied with alcohol and drugs and then they're excused for being violent, being abusive towards people. Yeah, I think when you couple that with the kind of excuse around gender as well, like with this kind of male genius rhetoric and this like, oh, they're just this wild male musician. I think and like young, young yeah, girls. Yeah, totally. Like, that's part yeah. of it as well. It's like they're so well, young. Well, it's glorified, you mm-hmm. know? Like we were talking about this, and I don't want to go into it in full detail, but we were talking about this before with like backstage culture or this kind of like young girls lining up to come and spend time with this like one male musician in a back- mm. like band room. It's... 
Yeah. Oh, I mean, if you think about how you were as a teenager, I mean, you, oh, totally. I mean, you generally, me as well. <laughs> I'm not saying you did this, but like, it's it's like just yeah. what you're told as like a teenage yeah. girl is like normal and acceptable and yeah. There's this new initiative, though, called It's Your Choice, yeah. which is a music industry-supported campaign initiated to address the co- growing cultural issues around behaviour and lack of personal accountability within Australian venues and event spaces. So it's kind of similar to Arts Not Parts in the format where you print out a downloadable poster and you can put it up in a venue. Um, and the goal of your choice is to help influence a culture of positive behaviour through shared responsibility as industry organisers and the patrons attending. Yeah, I think it's a really good um, initiative. And when I first heard about it, I was like, oh, how would a person who's going to act abusively are they really going to turn around and look at a government initiative poster and be like, oh, maybe I should change my... It's not government initiative. Isn't it? It's all, it's all music industry. It's a music industry initiative. Oh, so okay. it's like bands and venues. And like there's this huge list. I think all our exes live in Texas are on, on um, the like list yeah. of collaborators. It's like a bunch oh, of people. Like... It's like a grassroots movement. Yeah, I just thing. mean that like just the psychology like of someone being like, oh, maybe I should change my behaviour. But I think it is more of uh, changing the language that we use and you were saying like having those posters in toilets is really yeah um, meaningful when you're feeling unsafe yeah it's kind of like totally I think it's and I think it's aimed at uh, people who could potentially be victims rather than who are going to change their behavior or just like the groups of people and Mm. being like I I kind of thought of it as like that tosser thing where it's like just the people around you normalizing positive behavior and practicing it and talking about it that makes more sense of like building a culture that doesn't excuse that totally yeah is um cool anyway hopefully that'll make a positive yeah i have seen and i've seen similar initiatives like this around too where there's like a set of house rules that are put up on a uh, Mm. toilet door in the women's bathrooms for example or in a bathroom you were saying at the courthouse yeah where i think it says things like if you're on a bad tinder date come and let us know or if someone's like doing something that's not that's making you uncomfortable oh, yeah we, i think we've talked about in, this before yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah which i think even just seeing that language and knowing that bar staff are there as mm. a supportive or like in a music venue are there as a supportive kind of totally um uh, group of people that will help you out of a potentially bad situation is quite even if you don't need to use it knowing that that's there is mm. quite a um yeah it'll well, be interesting thing. to see how that kind of the changes that makes and also it would be interesting to see how this r kelly um, story unfolds and hopefully something good will happen from it and people will be take a little bit more responsibility in like the the shows that they book yeah the people that they continue carrying on their labels and yeah interested to see how how those labels handle the situation yeah, because surely you wouldn't want someone who has that reputation on your label as well honestly r kelly sells so many albums and he is so rich stop it stop booking him <laughs> <laughs> to all the big labels that are listening to me right now <laughs> <Quit> it. <laughs> um you're listening to agenda on fbi radio we're going to take a track now from little dragon um it's called strobe light and the video that just came out is absolutely incredible if you haven't seen it yet we'll pop a link up on our show page and we'll be be talking to our Splendor correspondent, Mari Stewart, right after this.
You're listening to Agenda on FBI Radio. We're now joined by our producer, Murray Stewart, live from Splendour in the Grass for a bit of a Splendour update. Hi, Murray. Hi, Murray. Hi, Yay! <laughs> um, how is the festival? So great. Um, it's day two um, in the morning. Feeling a bit dusty today, but it's been such a great time so far. And who have you caught so far? Um, yesterday I got to see a bunch of local artists like um, Alice Ivy, Vera Blue, and the amazing Julia Jacqueline, who is incredible. Every time I get to see her perform, I just love her music. Um, and yeah, it's been pretty cool to see so many awesome ladies on the bill this year. Yeah, definitely. Hey. I had a look at through the lineup, and it seems pretty balanced in terms of gender, with headliners like the XX and Haim as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, and the number of Australian female artists, especially, is pretty strong this year, I reckon. Um, I didn't get to see Tash Sultana yesterday, but she's always super popular at festivals. There's also artists like Erling, Dallas Alps, um, Mookie from Sydney, and, of course, FBI's Andy Garvey, who I'm really looking forward to seeing today. Cool. Um, and, yeah, I was kind of uh, curious about the whole state of gender equality in Australian festivals. And I checked out Hack's analysis on gender in the music industry earlier this year. Um, It's pretty interesting. Apparently around 26% of the Spender lineup in 2016 was made up of at least one female member and 32% in 2015, um, which I think is pretty good. It's not amazing, but um, this year since seems to be pretty strong as well. So, yeah, not sure how they stack up, but... But, yeah, you seem to think that, like, it's... Yeah, strong so far. Do you think it's indicative of where diversity is at in general with Australian music festivals? Yeah, I think so. I mean, things are definitely changing. There's festivals like Listen Out, who went from, like, a 91% male lineup in 2015, which was pretty terrible, and then went to 65% the next year. So... I think festivals are definitely taking notice of these kind of wider conversations around diversity that we're having. Um, But I do think it's also important to mention that diversity needs to be a much broader discussion than just male and female. I mean, how many non-binary or transgender artists or Indigenous or people of colour do you see on the average, like, Australian music festival lineup? I mean... We seem to be a pretty long way off from real diversity, but I think it's definitely important to keep having these kind of conversations and let the music industry know that booking just like the same white dudes isn't really good enough anymore. I have so many strong feelings about that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is interesting what you're saying about diversity, not just being about male and female representation, that it needs to keep growing in terms of like how we talk about diversity. Yeah, and also so much great music that you would be missing out on if you just limited the conversation between those binaries as well. Speaking of diversity, what's the headdress count at right now? Are you seeing a lot of flower crowns still? Are people still rocking bindies (laughs) or have we kind of moved on? Luckily, I haven't seen any headdresses or bindies. (gasps) Good. That's great. Um, Maybe they've gone out of fashion in the festival circuit or something, but... I did see a couple of people in some sort of, like, outfit that was loosely stereotyping Native American culture, which isn't great. I mean, it seems like, yeah, people still haven't learnt their lesson on appropriating cultures, but I think there's a little bit of progress. No, no bindies and flower crowns and uh, headdresses, I feel like. 
Yeah, yeah that's moving in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Mari, thanks so much for chatting to us. Enjoy the rest of Splendour. Thanks, guys. We miss you. See you next week, Mari. Come back. <laughs> uh, that was Mari Stewart. We're going to listen to Mookie now with more tea. tremendous thing has happened between us and what it means let me explain it means that nothing must hinder us ever again you're listening to agenda on fbi radio and that was sydney-based electronic musician and producer mookie who's playing at splendor today this ep was released earlier this year um called lost and found and it's a track it was a track called morty so we're back with this is what, what do we call it Everything is, home. Everything is terrible. Everything is terrible. You named it. We're going to recap the week from a feminist perspective. Uh, in good news, the new Doctor Who is a lady. The new Doctor Who. No, the, new, <laughs> no, the new Doctor Who is a lady. Really got to work on that interna- intonation. Um, and it's not just. Yes. In- <laughs> Uh, and it's not just internet trolls that have, were affronted by Jodie Whittaker's appointment to the coveted position of Doctor. The Sun, which is um, this really trashy tabloid paper in um, uh, Britain. the new Doctor, not yeah. the new Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so The Sun, which is better known for its page three girls than its journalistic integrity, chose to celebrate the historic event by publishing nude photographs of the actor, confirming that not only was she a woman, she's a woman with boobs. Uh, yeah, but huge news. <laughs> the BBC is going to pay Whitaker the same as her male counterpart. Um, which I think it's, I mean, it just should happen, but it's <laughs> something that we still have to celebrate. Uh, in also very good news, Celine Dion is living her very best life. If you don't follow her on Instagram, please do it. It's, it's wild. It's art. It is art. I really <laughs> can't stress that enough. We posted on our Instagram, like, I don't know what is going on with Celine Dion, but I'm so, so into it. It's great. It's yeah, beautiful. apart from her art. Uh, Complacency and complacency in silence. Yeah, for, with uh, R. Kelly. Working with R. Kelly. <laughs> yeah, it's complicated. <laughs> People are complex. People are complex. Uh, thankfully, Teen Vogue um, picked up the slack from Vogue's kind of dropping the ball on the non-binary issue last month. Uh, they did a really beautiful spread, which was good. Um, and in other news, I'm not sure if we call it good or bad. 
Some women in China are taking an incredibly badass measure to ward off sexual harassment. Anti-pervert flamethrowers have become flamethrowers have become a popular deterrent uh, in China. The devices are on sale on a number of websites, starting at thirteen dollars. Um, so to keep people, to keep women safe on their journeys home. I don't know if we can really put that on the good news. It's just like people need flamethrowers to feel safe. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's good news on the yeah. It's mm. good news on the like defense front, but not on the, mm. um, not on. It's like not preventative. It's yeah. you know, like <laughs> yeah. dealing with the problem after it's already happened, rather than trying to stop it. Still, good news, flamethrowers. Uh, One of the funnier news stories of the week was Aki Abe, who's the um, the first lady of Japan, speak uh, pretended that she couldn't speak. People are. Um, uh, kind of saying that she pretended that she couldn't speak English so that she didn't have to speak to Trump this year, which, this week. Which I feel is, like the First Ladies are really they're upping the Trump game, us. Hey? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. They're really sending a strong message. I hope it continues. Um, when our leaders of state are not sending such strong messages. So, yeah, big ups to all the First Ladies that are just being <laughs> yeah. rude and cold to Trump. Uh, speaking of... <laughs> Um, speaking of strong messages, we're going to leave you now with this brand new track from Sydney-based artist Kenyo, which came out earlier this week. It's called Woman's World. Very strong message. Uh, <laughs> you're listening to Agenda on FBI Radio. Don't look down on me. Me, 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 me. <laughs> Wear my suit, wear my hat on front ways The back professor's so slow and saying companies that really own me Wear my tie right up to the neck, it's hailing and excellent Peace out, I'm la-di-da, blah, 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 executives Wear my heels not to appeal to your senses I'm not covered up because your senses They can put that shit up on the senses Wear my lipstick, I'm red with power Hotter by the hour, on time, my own power Clink your glasses, melt the ice like ice Raise your glasses, melt the thighs like ice Clink your glasses, our flashes You won't ready for it to feel this nice You won't ready for it to feel this nice Woo! Clink your glasses, melt the ice like ice Raise your glasses, melt the thighs like ice Clink your glasses, our flashes You won't ready for it to feel this nice You won't ready for it to feel this nice uh.